0: Hello and welcome everybody. My name is Nick Pollock and I'll be your host for tonight's show. I am not joined by Bill Filippo this time around because this is neither a football podcast nor a basketball podcast. And if it's not one of those two things or pro wrestling, then chances are Bill will not be found. Instead, today is going to mark the very first episode of our Penn State hockey podcast hosted by myself, and the man who is revolutionizing the coverage of the Nittany Lion hockey team over on RoarLionsRoar.com, and that would be one Mr. Doug Leeson. So, Doug, how are we doing tonight?
1: Well, that, that was all very generous, but I'm doing very well, thank you. It's nice to be here.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you on. We could not be more excited to get started on this new podcast adventure, because guess what? Penn State hockey. The Nittany Lions have miraculously raced out to a 16-3-2 record so far this season, including a 5-2-1 record in the Big Ten Conference. The team has had the benefit of playing most of their games at home so far. They're currently sitting at 13-2-1 inside the friendly confines of Pagoula Ice Arena. They're currently 2-1-1 on the road. The team started the season pretty well, most would say, splitting a series with number 16 St. Lawrence and then tying and beating number 15 Notre Dame in South Bend. If I remember correctly actually, I believe that Notre Dame weekend was also that was Ohio State. Ohio State, Yeah, yeah, that was a big weekend for Penn State. That yeah, I remember one.
1: I was in the student section at the Ohio State game and in sometime in the second half of that game, I think when Penn State was coming back, they announced that our hockey team beat then number three Notre Dame in overtime on the road, and that was among the loudest cheers of the night, which I think was pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, it was I was in um, I was with the old people because I graduated, so I don't get to sit in the fun section anymore. Um, and it wasn't quite as loud around me, but it was still pretty cool here to cheer go around the stadium for that. Definitely not something that would have happened even what like a year ago, two years ago. Yeah. Um, after that, so they ended the series with Notre Dame with the win, and that started a 13-game unbeaten streak that was not broken until the Lions split a series uh, over in Columbus against the Buckeyes, and we'll get to more on them later. Uh, they rebounded, though, by sweeping Michigan State at home, and that earned them the number one ranking in both the USHO poll and the pairwise rankings, and the they had been number one in pairwise for a while, but to be ranked number one after such a short amount of time being a d1 team is pretty remarkable
1: right this is this is year five of penn state hockey and i mean the first two years they had losing records but in year three already they were something like eight or they had 18 wins which was a winning record which i mean was way sooner than anyone thought nobody thought really they'd win a game in the big 10 for a while but right away they were pretty competitive
0: yeah it's it's been truly inspiring to watch to see a team become so high-powered so quickly Um, things did take a bit of a turn this past weekend Uh, the Buckeyes came to State College and shook things up a bit for the team and for the rankings but we'll get to that series just a little bit later Um, but Doug what do you think did I get pretty much the story of the season so far
1: yeah that was pretty much it Uh, it it took until this last weekend for Penn State to lose a series they've had losses here and there throughout well really you know only only two losses before this past weekend but this for them to lose their first series in uh, in late January I mean that's pretty much the story of the series very exciting team pretty dominant as well
0: absolutely so I mean how did we get here what is it that's driving this team right now
1: well first and foremost Guy Godowski is an unbelievable coach I mean he's 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 a young guy he's He's been in college hockey for a while, but when you think of some of the greats, you're thinking of like Red baronson at, at Michigan, who's been there forever. But for Guy Godowski to to come in here and implement his system, which is just really fast offense, um, shoot the puck a lot. Andrew Sturt said something actually last weekend that, that kind of summed it up pretty well. He said, in our locker room, we're not looking for a hero. We're looking for 28 guys to step up and play Penn State hockey. He, he said something like that. And that's basically the strategy. It's uh, there are a few guys who've, who've stood out on the team, but mostly it's just rolling four lines, putting out three defensive pairings, and letting Peyton Jones play well in net. That is that has led to all these wins.
0: Yeah, it. it I mean the way the way they play under Godowski, I've been saying since, I mean since the first year they were in Pagula, really. It's if you are somebody who doesn't really enjoy hockey and you're looking for a way to kind of get into the sport, there's really no better team to watch than Penn State. I mean who oh, absolutely. who's gonna be better to watch than a team that's just flying around as fast as they can and just slamming the puck on net as often as possible?
1: and what's what's interesting about that, and this could be a whole, you know, very long conversation for another day, but the way hockey as a whole is kind of trending is is these smaller, faster players are. Are winning games like you see I don't know you see the Connor McDavid's and the especially Johnny Goudreau's in the NHL these smaller faster guys how they're being really you know being among the best players in the league it's uh they kind of play how Penn State's playing which is maybe not the biggest guys but the best skaters a lot of skill and in college in college hockey which is typically typically more physical and less skilled and not as high quality skaters I mean, Penn State's kind of ahead of the curve there, and that's it's showing in the in the rankings and in the record.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's truly been an interesting and enjoyable team to watch. And like you mentioned, it's well, not like you mentioned, but uh, one thing we really that's really interesting about this team for sure is that it's so young. It's it's such a young team. It has so much talent um, from their freshmen and from their sophomores. It's I mean, it's not unheard of because of kind of the landscape of college hockey, but it's, how, how huge is that for Penn State to have all these young guys really delivering the bulk of the team scoring?
1: Right. I mean, it's it, like you said, it's not unheard of in college hockey, but it is unheard of at Penn State. And sometime last week for the Ohio State series, we had on the site uh, something about this. And uh, then b- before the series, underclassmen had 65 percent of the team's points, which is kind of absurd you know these guys the upperclassmen committed to penn state when it was kind of you know on the upswing but now as these freshman classes have come in they've just been better and better and then a huge part of this of these underclassmen making up all these points is dennis smirnov who i mean came out of really kind of came out of nowhere came over from russia a few years ago spent a few seasons in the in the ushl before coming to college and I mean this this guy he was a first round draft pick in the KHL which is generally regarded as the second best league in the world and just the way he's played the way he's instantly uh fit into college hockey and how he's fit in with his usual line mates Dylan Richard and Andrew Sturts. I mean he's he's been crucial to to this team's dominance this year
0: to pause on Smirnov real quick um it was mentioned a few times over the during the broadcast for the uh, Ohio State series. He has been quiet in the last few games or so. Do you think there's a specific reason for that? I know they had mentioned a few times talking about in the last few seasons how Penn State's kind of slowed down as the year has gone on. Do you think there's any sort of freshman wall being hit, or do you think it is something else?
1: Um, I, I think it could be any number of things. I mean, Obviously, this this point has been beaten to death, but the the non-conference schedule for Penn State this season was kind of soft. Most of the most of the teams they played were in like the bottom 10 of the pairwise. So obviously Smirnov could he, he was able to like tee off against them and, and put up a lot of points. Um, I, otherwise, I don't know, maybe Big Ten teams are picking up on maybe you have to be a little more physical, play a little closer to him. Don't give him as much space. Uh, so they're kind of game planning for him and especially this this past series uh, Dylan Richard was sick in the first game and that so so uh, Smirnov was on a new line and kind of had to you know get acclimated with some new teammates so it it could be a number of things but I don't know I think it's it's more of a a slump not him hitting a wall I, I think he'll bounce back
0: gotcha so aside from Smirnov, who are the other players so far this season that have really stood out to you?
1: Yeah, when we were when we were planning this podcast, I, I started thinking who has been crucial this season. I ended up naming basically everyone on the team, but some highlights. I mean this the top line of Smirnov and Dylan Richard and Andrew Sturz has has been pretty dominant. Um probably the actually not even probably almost certainly the best line that Penn State has had going back to the, the uh, Goodwin-Holstrom-Casey-Bailey days. But Andrew Sturz has been great. He's a sophomore, and he has 15 goals in 19 games, which is uh, somewhere probably top 10, top 5 in the nation in goal scoring. Uh, otherwise, uh, David Goodwin, the captain, only has two goals, but he's still a point per game in, in 20 games with 18 assists. Chase Berger is a point per game, and he has an absurd 62% faceoff winning percentage, which you know only adds to Penn State's game. Penn State's style of puck possession and shooting the puck a lot. He's a huge reason for that. And then on defense, Vince Pedri is another sophomore. He's doing what he was doing last year, which is a ton of points, excellent in his own zone. But then another player who really has stood out and who maybe is most surprising is trevor hamilton he is a junior and he transferred here this season he spent the last i think two seasons in the ushl and before that he was at miami of ohio and really didn't play much there he when he did he didn't put up any great stats but he really wasn't used very much and i don't know it didn't seem like too great of a college college hockey defenseman but then he came to penn state oh my goodness he has 19 points in 21 games, and definitely the most physical player on the team. Like, as much as he, as much as he's putting up points, he's just throwing his body around all the time on almost every shift. The the Roar Zone loves him, and he he's another huge reason for, and uh, he's another huge standout player.
0: Yeah, he's he's one of my personal favorites to watch for sure. He's just, I mean, again, he's he's like that prototypical or at least what we know to be a prototypical Penn State hockey player at this point. He's just, like you said, he's just all, he's all around. He's throwing his body around. It's a lot of fun to watch. Um, Tell me about Peyton Jones. Let's talk about Peyton Jones.
1: Oh, Peyton Jones, he and Sturts and Smirnov are probably in the conversation for the, the best players on the team. Uh, He, he's a, he's a freshman this season and he's other than just playing well on his own, putting up good stats. He's a, a 2.3 goals against average and a nine Oh eight save percentage. But what he's, what he's doing better than any goalie Penn state's ever had is, is he's just continuing to play. And that consistency in net is one of the, or probably the biggest flaw that Penn state's had in previous seasons that Eamon McAdam and Matt scoff and even PJ musico, they'd have one good game and get would give him the reins for another one. And then they'd have a poor game and they'd have to go to another goalie and just, having this rotation really you know it it makes it hard for the team to get in a rhythm but peyton jones has started almost every single game this year and he's played really well in almost every single game he's he's a big guy at six foot four he's really athletic and uh, just a he has a great mental game as well He, he doesn't really let in soft goals and if he does he he makes a bunch of saves in a row right after so he pretty much is a complete goalie um And if you have a complete goalie, you're going to have a good team. And that's what he's given Penn State.
0: I know before the season started, when we were kind of previewing and talking about Peyton Jones, the general consensus seemed to be he looks like he has a really bright future and he could be one of the better goalies in the Big Ten eventually, but kind of temper your expectations, he might not be there just yet. Would you say he's kind of surpassed what you expected or... I mean, even just you personally, or is he? Did you expect this kind of success right out of the gate?
1: Uh, I, I'm definitely surprised. I thought I thought he would be a good goalie. I thought he was ready for college hockey, but I expected him to I don't know not start every game. Let backup Chris Funky get some time because he's 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 been pretty good so far in the limited action he's seen. But no, I, I was not expecting Peyton Jones to really seize the reins as the starter, play almost every game, and keep him in every game. Um, I, I thought he was ready, but no, I, I did not expect him to be this good.
0: And then, just real quick, because we like to be fair here on Roar Lions Radio, just some other names that have done just a really great job for Penn State this year, just as not not maybe the superstars that Rashard Sturts, Smirnov, jones all these guys have been so far, uh, but guys like Brandon Byro, Liam Folkes, Nate Souces, Nikita Pavlichev, Chris Mullary, Brent Murray, all those guys, even... Brett Murray, though, he's only played a few games so far. But all those guys have done great things for Penn State this year.
1: Right. The, those first few guys you mentioned are freshmen who've played in almost every game. Uh, Byro folks and Susie's have, have put, up, put up a bunch of points, which is always nice to see, especially from your freshmen. Nikita Pavlichev and Brett Murray are the team's two NHL draft picks. Pavlichev to uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins in the seventh round a few years ago, and then Brett Murray. Last year was drafted in the fourth round by Terry Pagula's Buffalo Sabres. Um, they've both, well, Pavlachev especially, he's, he's been here all season. He's been a very solid player on the you know on the bottom six forwards. He's, he's been solid and then also playing on the power play unit. He's, he's been a good big body to put in front of the net. Brett Murray's only played two games and he just joined the team this semester and he hasn't really done much, but he's had flashes of, of his potential, which is, very 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 high so he's he's worth giving a shout out to and then chris malari really a really solid shutdown defenseman this season um that's arguably well probably goalie but other, other than goalie probably the hardest position to learn is being a solid defensive defenseman reading reading the plays for the other teams and you know getting in lanes blocking shots hitting guys off the puck he's really been solid so he he's a very notable player for penn state
0: had a beautiful goal against Ohio State this past weekend as well
1: oh yeah Brandon Byro did a great job keeping the puck in the zone and he he found Malari and just sniped it from the blue line
0: yeah beautiful it's yeah we'll get we'll get to that series don't worry um so normally when you let's say you're somebody who doesn't watch Penn State hockey play every time they get out and honestly that's most of us because they're not on TV or BTN every night which is disappointing but we power through we get over it Um, So if you're somebody who's just kind of looking at stats and trying to get a picture of what it is, I know we just talked a lot about what's driven Penn State to this point, but obviously there's always the stats you can look to as well. And, uh, Doug, I'm going to let you talk really quick and just explain what um, the Corsi and the Fenwick are just to kind of give people a little bit of understanding. We could talk about how Penn State has just easily been the best team in the conference in both of those areas.
1: Yeah, so these stats are uh, they're they're helpful in kind of gauging puck possession and, and number of shots. What Corsai is, is it totals the shots uh, that either are on target and would go in the net or that are, so basically saves by the goalie plus goals allowed is, is a team's Corsi. And then the Corsi 4 is the percentage of shots that a team takes. So if you look at the Big Ten Conference, Michigan has the lowest Corsi at 41%, meaning you know in a game they take 41% of the shots. Uh, the second highest in the conference is Wisconsin at 56% and then the highest is Penn State with 63. So they're they're miles above everyone else and taking 63% of the shots in a game is is a very very impressive. And then the Fenwick is total shot attempts. So it's the same stat plus shots that are blocked basically. Uh, the lowest in the conference is 41 percent second highest is 56 again then the highest is penn state with 65 percent so that that's kind of that kind of i think does a good job painting the picture of how penn state plays which is a lot of possession a lot of shooting the puck and by far more than anyone else in the conference
0: and the kind of goal of those both of those statistics is to give you a gauge of uh kind of what it's it's kind of it's kind of designed to tell you okay like if you if you have a higher percentage in that area it's supposed to lead you to say okay this team is probably more a more prolific scoring team and that's pretty much been true um, this season the Big Ten Penn State is easily the top team in the conference in scoring differential they're at plus 2.19 goals Uh, they lead the conference in goals per game with 4.43 Ohio State's just behind them at 4.23 and then they're also leading the conference in goals against at only 2.24 obviously when you combine those things you're gonna get a pretty good team so what I mean I don't know do you obviously there's still a lot of time to go in the season this year in the big 10 portion of the schedule especially do you see Penn State holding serve or do you see someone eventually dethroning them for that kind of theoretical trophy for goal differential
1: uh, I think Penn State has a really good chance to stay, stay in the lead in both of those stats because you know you can say, sure, Penn State had an easy strength of, strength of schedule early. But now in the big Ten schedule, I mean, we've already played Ohio State twice. We're done playing them and we're still statistically the best, you know, has, having the best goals per game and goals against. Now we haven't played Minnesota twice. And in my opinion, Penn State, Ohio State, and Minnesota are the top three teams in the con- in the in the conference. Um, I don't know in what order yet, but we've played Ohio State twice, and still have better stats than everyone else. We have yet to play Minnesota once, so that we have four games remaining against them. But I, I think, I don't know. Penn State should be able to win a, still a heavy majority of the games remaining especially against two games against Michigan, two games against Michigan State, uh, four games against Minnesota and Wisconsin each, most of those games should go to Penn State, and especially against Michigan and Michigan State, they should be not necessarily close games. They shouldn't be. So um, I don't know. I, th- I think Penn State will finish strong. I think those statistics will, will stay kind of around where they are.
0: And speaking of the rest of the Big Ten, just to kind of give everyone a, a snapshot at what the standings look like right now, as we kind of get into the meat of the schedule. Um, right now, Minnesota's leading conference, six and two in conference. Uh, Penn State's right behind them at five and two. Wisconsin's at four and two. Ohio State's in fourth at three, two and one. Oh, sorry, Penn State's five, two and one. Sorry, I forgot the one. Uh, Michigan currently one six and one, and Michigan State also one six and one. It's always good to have a sport where Michigan and Michigan State are (laughs) tied at the bottom. That's always fun to see. So now we're going to do kind of the painful part of this episode of the podcast, and we're going to talk about the most recent Ohio State series. Uh, for those of you that are not aware, Penn State dropped both games to the Buckeyes in Pagoula Arena, although the first one is only a loss if you are a Buckeye fan in reality. Uh, they tied the first game 3-3, went on to lose in the shootout, which doesn't change anything for points-wise for Penn State. They still pick up the point. Ohio State does pick up the extra point for winning the shootout, so kudos to them, I guess. It was a very boring shootout, though. I was not, was not impressed, but... The second game, Ohio State uh, ended up winning 6-3, thanks to a couple of, uh, thanks to a lot of really early period goals throughout the game, and then especially the third period, uh, Peyton Jones kind of got torched a little bit by the Buckeyes, um, wasn't, wasn't a lot of fun to watch. Um, something I've noticed as a fan over the last few years, it just seems like Christian Frey and really just the whole Ohio State team, did I, I said Frey right, right, correctly?
1: Right, Christian yeah, okay. Christian Fry, Fry. Oh,
0: crap! I thought I was damn. I Forgot <laughs> which one I originally said, and I said it the opposite <laughs> way. All right, Christian Fry and uh, the whole Ohio State team. It just kind of seems like they have Penn State's number. I mean, what goes on when these two teams play? I mean, is there anything you notice?
1: Uh, basically, just Christian Fry is is lights out when he when he's seeing Penn State on the other end of the of the ice, um, especially on on Friday night's game. The tie and then shootout loss. Penn State outshot the Buckeyes fifty-nine to twenty-seven, and 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 they ended up tying three-three, which I don't know. It, it's just absurd that that Christian Fry can can have that type of game, almost almost sixty saves in a to to save a tie, especially with his team missing two of its best players, um, and then on on Saturday night, pretty much the same story. Outshot 44-28, to 28, but he, he kept his team in it. Um, only gave up three goals while Peyton Jones gave up six. Frye has really been the key to these Penn State-Ohio State series. Um, but otherwise, it, it really does feel like this, this is one of the best rivalries in the Big Ten, I would say. The way these teams throw the body around and score a bunch of goals on each other. But I think, especially this season, Ohio State was was a little bit better.
0: It's so interesting. It's You can tell he's in their head, too, because this Penn State offense that looks so dominant at times against other teams, it seems like whenever they play Ohio, Ohio State, something's just off. They're just disjointed. It's Yeah, they shoot the puck a lot, but so many of the shots, it seems like, are just wide open, no one in the lane, nice, easy saves, and that's not to say that there weren't some really fantastic saves from fry this weekend but i don't know, it just it just all seems disjointed for penn state whenever these teams get together
1: yeah i don't know if you just heard that but the uh go just did that that horrible <laughs> roaring sound <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, don't, I, did, I, I didn't know. hear it i hope i wish <laughs> i did though i hope it didn't pick that up but um yeah i think penn state's offense was getting frustrated over the weekend they, they um I know Godowski was talking after the game about how his team was kind of forcing passes, like from the defensive zone, trying to get through the through the neutral zone, and and on offense they just went for the home run passes instead of the plays that they know worked. Instead of the you know the, the Penn State plays, they they really went for the home run. and felt like they have to make a highlight reel play to score on Fry, which I mean that's that's the goalie's job to to make the other team think you're unbeatable so he he successfully did that
0: yeah that's yeah it was definitely noticeable that there were lots of two-line passes being attempted and yeah it was it just it just seems like they're out of their element when they play against the Buckeyes which is unfortunate um is this concerning is this concerning for Penn State as a whole given that Ohio State did this without two of their best players and uh Nick Shilke and Tanner Lazinski?
1: Uh, it is. Um, what's what's the series record? At Penn State and Ohio State. It was mm. Penn State. I'll look, was, I'll look that up while you talk. Or no, Penn State was one, two, and one. Right, we lost a game in both series, but we won a game last series, and we we tied yeah. this year. So yeah. one, one, two, and one sounds right. Um, Tanner Lazinski didn't play in any of the games. He missed he missed the first series as well when he was at World Juniors. So it is concerning. I think if these teams meet in the big 10 tournament or in the NCAA tournament, uh, that would be, that would be, um, it's a little not bit good. scary. Yeah. It would be not good. That's, that's a good way of saying it.
0: Yeah. It, yeah, it, it's, I think the most annoying part of playing is Shilke in particular. He's just so damn fast. And and for me, it was a little concerning. To I know the whole team, a whole Ohio, t- Ohio State team, is pretty fast, but it was it was concerning to see. And they're a great offensive team, but it was concerning to see the level of uh, competence for most of the time that they were able to display. Like they seemed like they pretty much ran their normal offense even without those two guys.
1: Yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, and and the way I th- I think they play pretty similar game offensively to Penn State minus all the shots they I think they they choose their shots more carefully but I mean the teams were keeping up with each other on the ice no one was out skating the other which which I think is something Penn State hasn't really encountered this season and I think when confronted with that adversity they they obviously didn't didn't respond very well.
0: Was there anything else that really stood out to you as something that really went wrong for Penn State in this series aside from like we talked about those maybe a little too ambitious passing attempts I mean and anything else that really stood out to you
1: uh just just one thing I think I mean on Friday night I think Penn State played well all night obviously when you put up 59 shots that's going to be the case so uh, that that game was Fry's to it's it's uh that was Fry's game is what I'm trying to say he earned that tie but then on Saturday night the, the problem was coming out of the period so, so flat. In the second period, uh, down 2-1 to one already, Dakota Joshua scored a goal 18 seconds into the period to make it 3-1. to one. Penn State ended up tying the game right before second intermission, and then Ohio State scored two goals in the first two minutes of the third period. So, I mean, that's the problem. Just coming out of the periods flat really buried the team on Saturday.
0: Yeah, it was it was disheartening to watch for sure. It was I think at the beginning of the third period I because I had the game loaded up on B T N plus, uh Bo was kinda switching back and forth between other things, so I had my T V input switched to I mean normal T V and I realized the period started and by the time I switched back, Ohio State had already scored. So that's I feel like that's that's certainly something that is gonna focus on and try to make an emphasis of this week as we Glide as we glide over into our transition of moving on to the Princeton preview. Can that was that?
1: that was so smooth.
0: Yeah, take that, Bill. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna wash that taste of Ohio State out of our mouths. So we're gonna talk about uh, Guy Gadowski's former coaching grounds. Actually, we're gonna talk about the Princeton game. So Penn State is going to travel to Philadelphia to take on Princeton this Saturday at seven o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Unfortunately, the game is not on TV. If you are a student listening to this, I know the Roar Zone is planning a trip. They have some buses headed out there, so you should get in contact with them and see if you can hop on there and join them. I'm sure the team would appreciate a nice big crowd out there. Um, So Princeton currently on the season, sitting at 7-11-2 with a negative .8 goal differential, and they have not won a game in their last five. For all the talk of Penn State's strength of schedule being subpar, they're 27th in the country in strength of schedule and Princeton is 28th and it's a pretty drastic difference between the record of Penn State and the record of Princeton um, which I mean tells you that sure Penn State's schedule might not be as strong as it could have been but to be where they are right now is still pretty impressive the only common opponents that Penn State and Princeton have had this year were St. Lawrence who Princeton fell to 4-0 and Penn State split a series with to open the year and uh, Princeton also lost to Michigan State 6-2, who, of course, Penn State went on to sweep um, the weekend previous to this second Ohio State Series. Um, other games that are reported the Princeton's played, they swept the current number 20 team. We're going to go ahead and call them Bemidji State, and we're going to hope that's correct. And they also swept number 17, uh, Quinnipiac, the defending national championships in a home-and-home, but they've basically gotten trashed by everybody else they've played. So Doug tell us what is the deal with this Princeton team? Uh
1: I can't really tell how this how this Princeton team is is winning games. I mean they they are looking like another kind of standard non-conference opponent that Penn State's played this year. You look at like the Arizona States and the Mercyhurst and Canisius Canisius Canisius. Yeah. Princeton yeah, Princeton whatever. seems yeah, you know. Princeton seems pretty similar to them, I guess. I mean What's, what's The one thing that's worrying, I guess, if, if there is one thing, is that the four wins against Bemidji State and Quinnipin were 4-1, to 3-1, 5-3, and 4-1 to one again. So in three of those wins, they only allowed one goal. So I think, and this is just a one-game series at a neutral site in Philadelphia, NHL rink. Uh, this is a game I think everyone should expect Penn State to win, but it looks like their goalie Colton Finney is capable of putting up some, some decent games.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really the only thing that Penn state has to be worried about. Um, I mean, clearly Princeton has done a good job of, like you said, it doesn't really make sense, but they have done a good job of beating those, um, kind of high powered teams. But overall it's, it's, it doesn't seem like there's a ton to worry about if you're Penn state, um, they do have two players that are having pretty solid seasons in uh, Max Verano and uh, Ryan Kuffner. They are both uh, top 100 in raw scorers. Uh, Verano is averaging 1.21 points per game, and Kufner's is averaging one point per game. Just for reference, Penn State has three guys in the top 100. Smirnovs at 1.38, Burgers at 1.0, and Goodwin's at .86. Um, but, I mean, yeah, really, aside from those two players that could be a problem, it doesn't seem like Penn State's going to have a ton of difficulty in this game.
1: Right, and and if if that makes it seem like those two guys can take over a game, that's probably not true, because if you look at the top 100 players in points per game, uh, Verano, Kufner, and another guy, Jackson Cressy, are Princeton's only three players in the top 100. Penn State has six players in the top 100. Smirnov, Berger, Goodwin, Sturts, Vince Pedri, and Trevor Hamilton. So... Especially considering two of those guys are defensemen, like they're really not much of an excuse to to be outscored this weekend in the one game.
0: It seems like a pretty good time for Peyton Jones to pick up his second shutout of the year. I'd say.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. It is kind of surprising he's only had one shutout this season. Uh, Chris Funky, even he's played two or three games. He has a shutout that was against Arizona State. But I mean, Peyton Jones, I think this will be a nice. A nice single-game series to kind of rebound from... Well, Peyton Jones and the whole team can kind of rebound from uh, last weekend's series loss to Ohio State and uh, hopefully put up a, a comfortable win against Princeton.
0: And they'll need to because the weekend after, they get to travel to Minnesota for two games out there.
1: Yeah, that's that's going to be... At that point in the season, it will be the biggest series Penn State has had. It's uh, a pretty tough part of the schedule's coming up actually there's two games in a row at minnesota then the next week two games at wisconsin who's who's quietly having a pretty solid season and then after that it's minnesota again but at home so after princeton there's six very challenging games coming up
0: yeah so penn state this would be a great time to you know shake off the rust get back to what you do well and kind of prime yourselves for the upcoming games we got here um but you know what, Doug? I think that's pretty much all we have for this episode. What do you think?
1: I think that sounds good. You want to do predictions for the game?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, personally, I when I look at Princeton, I don't see a ton to be scared of, like we talked about Um I think Peyton Jones might have a little bit of trouble early on just because, I don't know, maybe a little bit of confidence shaken from that third period of that Ohio State game. So I'm going to say that Princeton maybe gets one early on, but I'll say Penn State takes this one by a final of 4-1.
1: Yeah, I I think I I might go with a few more goals. I I think Peyton Jones will respond well. Um, He's responded well in, in the past when he's been pulled in the game. He'll come back and have another solid one. i I think oh i don't know let's say 6-2 penn state has almost 60 shots again
0: very nice there you go two predictions for penn state and hopefully we'll be able to deliver on that this weekend and hopefully the roar zone will be there in full effect to cheer on the guys as they take on the princeton tigers and, hey, that's all we got for tonight. So we hope you enjoyed this first episode of Roarlines Radio Hockey Edition. Hopefully we'll be able to turn this out on a weekly basis for the remainder of the season. But, you know, schedules are fluid around this time of year. So if we don't get it exactly when you're expecting it, please be patient with us. If you have to wait a few more days than normal. Um, but, I mean, ideally it would be great to get this out weekly, especially next week. We could talk about the Minnesota series coming up. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, we actually released a new shirt on our store over at uh, paying homage to the, I mean, frankly, insane amount of success that the Penn State hockey team has enjoyed in its very brief D1 history. Uh, we were actually able to work with, the, work with the Roar Zone to develop the design, and we all kind of agreed that it, a tribute to those who just can't stand how Penn State changed things up in the college hockey world was wonderfully appropriate so you can head on over to the store and get your very own ruining college hockey since 2012 shirt today it's very beautiful and as always our shirts are famously comfortable and you should absolutely buy one or all of them they're lovely as always please make sure to follow us on Twitter at RLR blog uh, we also have a Facebook page that is slowly gaining steam so be sure to like us on there we have an Instagram account and a YouTube account that we promise we'll start to update more uh, as we mo- moving forward and uh be sure to check all those out whether you listen to us on itunes google play or soundcloud please be sure to leave us a star rating and a review if you're able to it really helps us to get the podcast into the ears of more listeners every time you do i know it seems like it's something insignificant uh, but the algorithms that run itunes and google play just love seeing podcasts that have comments especially comments are huge so please leave one if you have the time of course, make sure to keep checking back to com to catch all of Doug's fantastic work covering the team. He even covers the recruiting for hockey. That is, I don't think most people understand how difficult of a task that is. So honestly, take the time to read those because all the work Doug does for the site is absolutely fantastic. So for myself and for Doug, have a great day. Thanks for listening. Go State.